Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the redemption of the firstborn as we pick up in Exodus chapter 13, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. All right, now you see, God had spared the firstborn. And all of Egypt, they were all wiped out. So God is saying, all right, now set aside all the firstborn, they're mine. And the firstborn child always belonged to God. It was set apart for God. God claimed the firstborn, not only of the children, but also of the animals that were born. And so we get now the law of the redemption of the firstborn. And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by the strength of the hand of the Lord he brought you out from this place. And you shall no more, there shall no leavened bread be eaten. This day that you came out in the month of April, and it shall be when the Lord shall bring you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Amorites, the Hittites, and the Jebusites, which he swear unto your fathers to give to thee a lamb flowing with milk and honey, that thou shalt keep this service in this month. Seven days thou shalt eat unleavened bread, and in the seventh day it shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days, and there shall no leavened bread be seen with thee, neither shall there be any leaven in all of your houses. For thou shalt show thy son in that day, saying, This is done because that which the Lord did unto me when I came forth out of Egypt. And it shall be for a sign unto you upon your hand and upon the memorial between your eyes. The Lord's law may be in your mouth, for with a strong hand the Lord brought you out of Egypt. And thou shalt therefore keep this ordinance in his season from year to year. It shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites, as he swear unto thee and to thy fathers to give it to you, that you shall set apart unto the Lord all that opens the matrix." And every firstling that comes of the beast which you have or the males shall be the Lord's. And every firstling of a donkey thou shalt redeem it with a lamb. If thou wilt not redeem it, then you're to break its neck. For the firstborn of man and man of the children thou shalt redeem. And it shall be when thy son asks thee in time to come, saying, What is this? That thou shalt say unto him by strength of the hand of the Lord, he brought us out of Egypt from the house of bondage. So the firstborn son, whether it be uh, the firstborn son or the firstborn animal that was a male had to be redeemed. You're, the first donkey that was born of this particular mother was the Lord's. Now, if you wanted to keep the donkey and use it, then you had to buy it from the Lord, was the idea. God claimed the firstborn of all the animals. You wanted to keep it for yourself, then you had to purchase it from God. You had to redeem it. If you didn't redeem it, you had to kill it. The donkey or the cow or whatever, if you wanted to keep, or the ox, if you wanted to keep it, then you had to redeem it. You had to buy it from God. The same with your child. The firstborn male child was God's, belonged to God. Then you had to redeem that child from God, offering sacrifice unto the Lord to redeem the child. By 
And, and so when your children, again, God is trying to create questions in the minds of the children. When your children shall ask you, saying, what is this? Then you shall tell them how that the Lord brought you out of Egypt, slaying the firstborn by his strength, and so forth he brought you out. And it came to pass when Pharaoh would hardly let us go, that the Lord slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all that opens the matrix, being males. But the firstborn of my children I redeem. So the firstborn became a sacrifice unto God, but you couldn't sacrifice a donkey, so you could keep the donkey and sacrifice the lamb. But the firstborn became a sacrifice unto the Lord. It shall be for a token upon your hand and for the frontlets between your eyes, for by strength of the hand of the Lord he brought us forth out of Egypt. Now this uh, frontlets between your eyes and token upon your hands. You'll notice if you go over to the Wailing Wall how that the Orthodox Jews, when they come down, they'll, they'll wrap themselves with these little boxes that they'll wrap on their wrist, and then they'll wrap the strap up their arm before they go to the wall to pray. And also they'll wrap another little leather box there on their forehead. And in these little boxes are copies of the commandments of God. And so they are to bind them to their wrist and to their forehead. It's so that the idea on their forehead that it might be in my mind to do the will of God, on your hand that it might be in the strength of my hand to do service to the Lord. And so the idea of, of doing service with my hand and my mind being upon the law of God and my hand doing the law of God. Uh, so they, they do this before they pray at the wall. They'll strap themselves uh, and it is uh, on their hand and the frontlet uh, on their forehead that it might be signifying really the, the mind to do the will of God and the hand to do the work of God. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was the closest route. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led them about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had strictly sworn the children of Israel, saying, or he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, uh, it was a strict thing with him, that God will surely visit you, you shall carry up my bones from here with you. So they carried uh, the remains of Joseph, the bones of Joseph, that they might bury them when they came into the land, when they came out of Egypt. Now, the interesting thing is that by far the closest route to Israel would be right up the coast, be the easiest way to go, right through the land of the Philistines, right on into the land. They could actually make the journey within a week or so and be in the land. But God knew that they were not yet prepared, that if the Philistines would come out to meet them with war, their faith in God was not yet strong enough. Fear would grip their hearts. They would seek to return to Egypt. And so the wilderness experience is necessary in order that they might have the experiences of trusting in God learning what it is to have faith in God, learning the power of God, 
so that when they did finally come into the land and face the enemies, they would have great confidence and faith in God to deliver the land into their hands. And so we find that the wilderness experiences are experiences where they are learning how that God can meet their needs, no matter what they be. That God is sufficient to take care of their needs and how that God will answer and will respond to their prayers and to their needs. So they took their journey from Succoth and they camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them in the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. Now they needed to get out of there and so they were traveling day and night for a while. In the daytime, the cloud was in front of them to lead them. They following the cloud. At nighttime, there was the light in the sky to lead them and they walked in the light of this fire, this flaming fire at night that was there in the sky to direct them. And he took not away the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Pahiroth, between Migdal and the sea over against Belzaphon. Before it shall ye encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will save the children of Israel. They are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden or make stiff Pharaoh's heart, that he shall follow after them, and I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all of his hosts, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, Why have we done this, that we've let Israel go from serving us? And so he made ready his chariots, and he took his people with him. He took 600 chosen chariots, and all of the chariots of Egypt, the captains over every one of them, and the Lord made stiff the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with a high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them all of the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army, and he overtook them as they were encamping by the sea besides Pihahiroth before Belzephon. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they were afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said to Moses, Hey, was it because there weren't enough graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us like this to carry us out of Egypt? Is this not the word which we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? It had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die here in the wilderness. So the Lord led the children of Israel, and he turned them down into this valley towards Belzephon, a mountain range. And on the other side of them was Pihiroth, another mountain range. So they went right down into the valley towards the Red Sea. A mountain range on their right, a mountain range on their left, the Red Sea in front of them. And now the dust of the Egyptian army as they come up behind them and they seal off 
the valley. When they told Pharaoh where the children of Israel had gone, he laughed. He said, oh, they don't know anything about this land. They've gone right into a trap. They, they can't get out of there. The land has swallowed them up. They were trapped. Now, at this point, the people started to cry against Moses, and well might they cry against Moses. He, he, he showed here a bit of stupidity. Leading them into this valley of which there is no escape. No way out. And they said, hey, what are you doing? We're, I guess there just wasn't enough graves back in Egypt. You brought us out here to bury us in the wilderness. because there must, Didn't we tell you to leave us alone? What are we doing following you? We'd be better off being servants back there than being dead here. Better dead than red or red than dead or something. And, you know, why have you done this to us? And really began to give Moses a rough time. This is the beginning of it for Moses. He's going to get a rough time from these people from here on out. So many times we look at an e a leader in an envious way, thinking, oh my, he's so lucky he gets to lead the people. Just follow the account of Moses and you'll see how lucky he was. Why have you dealt with us to carry us out of Egypt? Didn't we tell you to leave us alone? We've been better to serve the Egyptians than to die here in the wilderness. Moses said unto the people, fear not. They probably thought, oh, great, our leader has a plan. <laughs> then he said, stand still. <laughs> See, the salvation of the Lord, oh, he's crazy. <laughs> we were crazy to follow him. What are we doing here? Don't be afraid. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. Come on, Moses, which he will show you today for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see them again. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Now, Moses assured the people, then he started crying unto God. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. Those Egyptians, you're never going to see them again. You know, God's going to fight for you. Now you just hold your peace. Then he gets and says, oh, God, you know, <laughs> what are we going to do? And I like this. The Lord said, hey, why are you crying unto me? Well, I'll tell you why I'm crying unto you. I'm in trouble. We're in a trap. But God said, wherefore criest thou unto me? In other words, there's a time to move. There's a time for action. There's a time when we get off of our knees and start moving. God has a time to pray for sure. But then there is also the time when we need to start moving. And that's what God says, hey, wherefore Christ unto me, get moving. Now's the time that you need to be moving. Speak unto the children of Israel that they are to go forward. Oh, I can't do that, Lord. They'll stone me for sure. There's a Red Sea in front of them. How can I speak unto them to go forward? But lift thou up thy rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians. They'll follow them and I will get me honor upon Pharaoh. God says, I want to get that guy yet. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. 
when I have gotten honor upon the Pharaoh and upon his chariots and on his horsemen. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. Now the cloud had been leading them. And now the Lord takes the cloud and puts it behind them and lets it settle down so that the Egyptians find themselves in a heavy fog, can't see a thing. Now the light is still out in front of the children of Israel so that they can see what's going on. The pillar of fire is still there. The children, the children of Israel are walking still in the light of the pillar of fire, but the cloud has settled upon the Egyptians. They don't know what's going on. They're in the camp of Israel. But what is going on is that God brought a strong east wind, and he divided the Red Sea, and he heaped it up on both sides. And by the east wind, dried the bottom of the sea so that the children of Israel walked through the midst of the Red Sea on dry ground. You say, oh, I can't believe that. Well, I feel sorry for you. Just how big is your God anyhow? You know, I feel sorry for people that have to make excuses for God and say, well, it was really the Sea of Reeds, and it's really very shallow. It's only a foot or so deep. And many times the, the strong winds will actually drive the sea back, and there are portions that you can cross that sea because it, it's at the best two or three feet deep at the worst. And, and so it was just the Sea of Reeds, a shallow marshy pond, and, and they were able to cross it. You see, it really wasn't a miracle at all. God didn't heap up the waters on both sides like he said. It was just a shallow little marshy pond that they passed through. My, what a marvelous miracle that God could drown the whole Egyptian army in a shallow little marshy pond. <laughs> One way or the other, you've got to face a miracle in this story. You can't get away from it. It's there. Now, I'd rather just believe it like it's written. Just believe it like God said. God's big enough. I have no problem with, with the power of God, the greatness of God. And as I told you, God is going to teach them now to trust in him. But the first thing he has to teach them is that he can make a way when there is no way. Now, I want you to look at this thing again. They're in a trap, very definitely in a trap. Why are they in the trap? Because God led them in the trap. God said to Moses, all right, turn on down here towards Belzephon. It was God who led Moses and the children of Israel into the trap. God deliberately led them into a trap in order that he might manifest unto them his power of delivering them out of the trap, delivering them when there is no way of deliverance. God can make a way where there is no way. Now, many times in our lives, God leads us into impossible situations. Where we look to the right and the left, and we see the mountains on both sides, we see the enemy behind, and we say, oh, woe is me, I've been better off if I'd stay back there and died in slavery than to die out here in the wilderness. There's no way out of this. There's nothing we can do. Everything is gone. Oh, there's no hope, you know. And, and we feel that, like, you know, God leads us into these places of just total desperation and desolation. There's just nothing to do. 
in order that he might demonstrate unto us that he has resources we know nothing about and that he can make a way for us when there is no way. It's marvelous to be led by God because God will never lead you in the, into anything but what he won't lead you and provide the way out. There is no temptation taken unto you but what is common with all men, and God with the temptation will provide the way of escape. I can't see any way out. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to turn. There's, there's, I'm surrounded. The outlook is dark. I look behind me and there's the enemy. I look beside me and there are the mountains. I look in front of me and there's the Red Sea. Hey, don't give up, don't despair, look up. When the outlook gets impossible, try the uplook. Now God has led them into the trap and now God is gonna lead them out. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Exodus on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Exodus 12 through 13 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Now may the Lord be with you, bless you, and keep you. May you walk in the Spirit, and may you be strengthened by the work of His Holy Spirit in your inner man. May your life be enriched in all things in Christ Jesus. And may the Lord and the blessings of the Lord be upon you while we are absent from each other until we are brought back together again to continue our fellowship and our growing together in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. For those who like to read books electronically on their mobile devices, you can now download most of Pastor Chuck and Kay Smith's books to your Kindle reader or any mobile device such as your cell phone. 
What a blessing to be able to have these resources with you at all times, especially when you're in a place to minister to another person. If you read ebooks, then you know the advantage of being able to search, find, and minister within seconds. And with all of Pastor Chuck and Kay's insights into biblical wisdom, this is a great opportunity to be able to gain from their book so you can share the good news with others. If you would like more information on how to download Pastor Chuck and Kay's ebooks, you can call the Word for Today customer service department at 1-800-272-9673. That's 1-800-272-9673. Or to download most of Pastor Chuck and Kay's ebooks online, visit thewordfortoday.org. Again, that's thewordfortoday.org.